Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. The Athletic. I hope anybody's not stupid enough to write us off. It's two stars time. This is the weekly Nottingham Forest podcast from The Athletic. On this episode, Luton Lamentations, a frightening forthcoming fixture list, catching up with Kelvin and celebrating Dibble Day. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic, this is Two Stars. Hey listener, thanks for stopping by. I'm Matt Davis-Adams here to once again guide us through another week in the life of the two-time European champions. I'm joined by The Athletic's Forest correspondent, Paul Taylor. Morning, everyone. Good morning. And the EST of NFFC, Nick Miller. Oh, what's that? Oh, that, that doesn't sound like a wrestling name. What's that? It is, yeah. It's uh, Bianca Belair who will be challenging Sasha Banks for the SmackDown Women's Title WrestleMania next month, having successfully won the Royal Rumble. I'm really surprised you didn't know that. Which, yeah, well, I was going to say, which obviously I, you know, you don't need to explain that to me. I know, I know full well that all that was happening. <laughs> okay, so that's good news. Unfortunately, we are going to have to start today's episode on a downer uh, with Tuesday's Luton loss. Forest nil, Luton won at the world-famous city ground, then a familiar tale for the Reds of late. Low chances, no one to put them away. Luton did take one of their few opportunities, Ryan Tunnicliffe getting the only goal of the game midway through the second half. Uh, Paul, the action on the pitch couldn't live up to the pre-match hype slash old-school rave that for some reason was inflicted on the handful (laughs) of people allowed into the city ground. It was extraordinary. It really was. <laughs> I, I, I needed to ask the question, actually, about whether the club have actually got some new tannoy facilities in. I sound like Alan Partridge here. Uh, but it was so loud. It, it, it's always been a, a slight issue at the city ground with the tannoy being a little bit tinny and a little bit weak. But goodness, when it when it came on, uh, you know, it, it, I was trying to talk to the one of my old colleagues next to me, Lee, from the post, and it was like trying to order a drink at the bar. <laughs> it, 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 you know, literally just screaming at the top of your lungs to try and get your words out. It was, it was remarkable. Uh, I'm presuming it was to do with the uh, wanting the crowd noise to be a little bit more umphy when when the game started because it certainly was. It did actually 
sound like there was you know it was almost the volume of a normal crowd so uh that's how loud it was you know my, my ears stopped bleeding at around midnight so that so that was good it was a, <laughs> it, it was a great night all round <laughs> uh, and just to go full partridge it's uh speaker system tannoy is a brand name <laughs> yes i knew good partridge knowledge well done <laughs> maybe they could get some more speakers apropos achieving surround sound <laughs> uh, that's the dream uh, in terms of the championship table following this latest midweek round forest 16th eight points clear of third bottom rotherham albeit the millers have two games in hand uh, so it's a good job we won there last week really uh, here's a tweet from david asking now that the overreacting bottom half of twitter have all decided we're the worst <laughs> team in history again can the panel cheer us up and tell us when we will be safe please don't say on the last day um nick even even the nature of this question is interesting isn't it because last week i was championing the old hey we're only 10 points off the playoffs cause uh not really looking upwards anymore i guess no not really the sort of good news is that there are uh comfortably three worst teams in forest in the in the in the division so i don't think we need to worry hugely about relegation or or I suspect, and this is awful, fate tempting, obviously, but I suspect not even an enormously close uh, relegation battle. I think we'll probably Forest will probably finish, um, and this is you know, this this is keeping in mind the fixture list that we're gonna we'll be talking about later on in the pod, but I suspect there there's certainly enough in in the team. There's enough, maybe even enough points not quite enough points already to secure survival but we have enough of a kind of base level of points to to be okay so yeah i don't while um a defeat against luton uh, and particularly the nature of the defeat against luton is going to um is going to kind of get the hand ringers out and not you know (laughs) as as we uh, discovered last season there is there's no guarantees with Forest, and they can scar us in in many many different ways. But I suspect we'll be okay. Mm. Um, Paul, I was thinking as I was desperately searching for for some positives after the Luton game. If you're mm. going to have a, a nothing season where you finish in lower mid table, this is quite a good one to pick, isn't it? You know, there's no supporters yeah. around. It's it's going to hopefully be a, quite a forgettable campaign all around. So if you're gonna if you're gonna be rubbish, be rubbish this year. It's almost about building for next season, isn't it? It sounds like a surrender and like a you know waving of the white flag, but it but but it is. I don't think Forest are going to get sucked into relegation. Chris Chris Hewton always talks about good performances leading to good results, and that that wasn't necessarily the case against Luton. But whilst you're producing good performances, you always know you've got a chance of getting positive outcomes, and that was very much the case against Luton for an hour until they scored. Forests were utterly dominant. They created chance after chance. Uh, they were playing some really nice football. They were confident. They were slick. They were playing with urgency. Uh, and they were just, at the end of it, you were kind of, you know, we, we, we do our match report slightly differently and we kind of pick a certain theme to look at. And it was hard because for about the 77th game running, it felt like we were talking the main issue was the fact they couldn't convert chances and and that's going to be the story of the season you fear certainly since you know Hewton started to have an impact in in recent months since that since the run of games against the sort of top six sides back in November and December Forest have done really well they've only I think they've lost three in in 16 but throughout that there's been this this kind of feeling that they they haven't converted their chances they haven't made enough of the opportunities they create 
the last five or six games, I think they've only conceded, they've scored what? One, two, three. They've scored three goals in six games, <laughs> which kind of tells you a story. Games in which they've played well and done well generally. Uh, and, and you get kind of a bit tired of it, it being the same issue every week, the, the fact that they're not converting these opportunities and turning good performances into the kind of results that they, they deserve. But I still think overall, when you look to the future, not just to the next run of games they've got coming up, but to next season, I, I think they can do so optimistically. In, in 2021, I think their form is still the sixth or seventh best in, in the division. So, you know, there is room to be, for optimism to be found there. And if they can just find a way to find this killer touch and start putting more of these chances away, then that'll it feels like that could be the final hurdle overcome and, and we can start looking forward to a brighter future, whether that's this season or next. I suppose that is the kind of the justification for the well we have been trying to play down that the, the pessimism or I was trying to play down the pessimism earlier on anyway um that is the justification for it is that Forrest are, 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 are sort of turning into a sort of TK Max version of Brighton in the you, you know <laughs> just kind of um dominating possession or, or or playing really well and and not actually scoring the goals and I suppose the concern is that it, because it keeps happening you wonder how quickly that that problem is being solved um, and it's not the 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 other sort of perhaps slightly concerning thing is it it doesn't seem to be a um, a kind of issue to do with personnel because you would have thought that someone like you know Glenn Murray would be exactly the sort of player to kind of solve that problem. So while I don't particularly share in the 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 pessimism, that would be the um, sort of justification for it. So that was Luton's first win at the City Ground since 1983. Uh, it came after the 1-1 draw against Derby last Friday night. Anything anyone would like to say about that? Uh, what's that, Joe? Yeah, let's not kill ourselves. We, we didn't play. Um, we didn't play Barcelona. It was Derby. Um, and uh, the third successive 1-1 between the teams then, and also, Paul, just a continuation of the theme that we've been talking about. Forest create chances, but they don't take them. Yes, yes. I, I got battered on Twitter by, by Derby fans after the game because I, I I watched Wayne Rooney's interview and he kind of struck me that he, he seemed quite confused about it all. In, in one breath, he said that Forrest were fortunate, uh, Derby were fortunate to get a point. And then in the next breath, he said that it was a fair result. And it, they they were fortunate to get a point. And, and Forrest can only blame themselves again because they, they did miss chances again. They did failed to capitalise on their dominance and you could kind of see the Derby goal coming. It was coming on the horizon for a little while before it actually came and uh, it was it, it felt slightly predictable by the end of it but but also you know that didn't lessen the the, the disappointment of it. it. It was it was probably the least deserved equaliser since Derby's last equaliser in similar circumstances <laughs> against Forest. It, it was all it was all too familiar and I, I I I'm very much in the glass half full camp rather than the glass half empty. I I do feel optimistic about the future. You can see that Chris Hewton's building something. Uh, positive and that there is an identity being forged in the team that, that hasn't been around for a long time perhaps since you know you, you got a sense of it early in Sabri Lamucci's tenure but this is as much identity as the team's had in a little while and I'd rather be positive about that than negative but they do just without labouring the point they do just need to solve this one last problem now just to 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 make themselves more of the complete package because you can't keep going into games creating five six seven really good opportunities and coming out of it without scoring it just that's only going to lead one way and it isn't a very good way anything from the game that stood out to you nick nothing that that paul hasn't kind of 
already mentioned uh, the, the the just sort of frustrating predictableness of it as much as anything uh, not just the the one one draw against derby which i'm kind of um slightly annoyed i didn't predict before the game because it was a no it, it, it just feels so inevitable but as soon as those you, you know didn't stick away a lot of those chances that um created in the in the first half and sort of the um first what 15 20 minutes of the second half you could just see it coming and you know granted it did take a pretty special goal to get the point for derby yeah it was just you could definitely see it coming on a slight tangent uh, one positive to do with uh, to do with derby uh, this week sheffield united of course won meaning they are on mm. 14 points for the season uh, david mcgoldrick with a goal as well yeah david mcgoldrick with a goal <laughs> lovely touch taking them off the magic 11 points meaning that record uh, the record stays solely derbies for another season yeah just to reiterate that listen the record nick's talking about is it derby county are the worst team in history that's the worst <laughs> team in history they managed 11 points from a season 2007 2008 go look it up worst team in history right after a run of games against fellow lower mid-table sites things are about to get a whole lot tougher for forest we'll preview a fearsome set of fixtures next Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So between now and the start of April, Forest face a fixture list that could accurately be described as daunting. The Reds' next five games are as follows. Watford away on Saturday, Reading at home on the 13th, Norwich at home on Wednesday the 17th, then it's away to Brentford on the 20th, and then Cardiff in South Wales on the 2nd of April. That noise you can hear is three middle-aged men gulping. Um, <laughs> reasons reasons to be positive ahead of these games, Paul. In your post-Luton piece, you, you point out that, that Forrest have kept clean sheets in half the games they've had under Chris mm-hmm. Hewton. So, so that end of the pitch, at least, he seems to have figured it out. Yeah, absolutely. They're, what Forrest are are tough to beat. Now, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that you'd, you'd take five points from this from five draws, but, you know, uh, they are much more organised and much more disciplined. Uh, the back four doesn't drastically change from week to week. We know uh, he sometimes swaps Bong and, and, and uh, Yuri Rivero around at left-back, but other than that, there's a consistency there. Uh, Worrell, and, Worrell and Figueredo are starting to look like the decent partnership they were for long spells of last season, with Worrell looking pretty comfortable playing on the left side and, and Figueredo kind of proving that he isn't quite the, the error-strewn uh, liability that, that that lots of fans unfairly thought, thought he was for much of the start of the season. Uh, he, he's kind of got back to the level of form that we know he's capable of. Uh, so yeah, you, you kind of take some encouragement and hope from the fact that they are uh, a, a much tougher nut to crack. None of these teams are going to find playing Forest easy any more than they're going to find uh, these games easy themselves. So there is... I guess it, it, to to sum up a very waffly answer, I think uh, 
the, the fact is is that in comparison to last time Forrest went into this kind of run of fixtures in November uh, and going into them now, I, I feel very, very differently about their chances of getting something from all of these games. Uh, Watford away for me is perhaps the toughest of them all at the minute, but uh, you know, if they could get something as a starting point, even a draw at Watford this weekend, I think they could go into the, the remaining games. Certainly they, they could deafen Reading and Norwich into defeat in the two home games next week. So uh, <laughs> that that would be a good starting point. <laughs> Um, Forrest lost all but one of the reverse fixtures of these games. The exception was the 0-0 at home to Watford, who the Reds face next. They also only scored two goals in those five reverse games, those in defeats against Norwich and Brentford. But, Nick, they do have Kravinovic, Garner and Murray now. They've all made an impact, although has Murray done much since Wickham? I know, I know you're a big fan. Uh, well, I'm a big, a uh, big fan now. I was, wasn't. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe this, maybe this will lead to me, um, the, the, you know, a slow burn justification for my uh, pessimistic <laughs> uh, uh, predictions, which I. We all know I, that's what you're hoping. Yeah, well, yeah. Which, uh, um, granted, <laughs> I then did completely reverse. But you know, it's a changeable world. I, I reserve the right to change my opinions about these things. You know, goals have dried up a little bit for Murray, but I think that the kind of the. Um, the, the the form of Kravinovic and, and Garner behind him is is much uh, kind of more encouraging. I, I was slightly skeptical about Kravinovic when when I saw him last season. He, he seemed kind of slightly ineffective, but he's he's very he, he's been I think much brighter than I, I thought he was going to be in the few games he's played for Forest so far. It's just very kind of neat and tidy, and some very sort of smart little passes that he plays, and then obviously Garner um, has added a sort of kind of more creative. Uh, element to the central midfield. I'd really like to see, and uh, to, to a point, this has been kind of hampered by Ryan Yates's fitness. But I'd really like to see Yates and Garner together. I think they, while Cafu has done reasonably well next to him, uh, I think those two playing together would be uh, a really kind of excellent uh, duo. Where Garner would just kind of maybe sit a little bit and uh, Yates can do his kind of box to box thing that he he does so well. Um, it's, inter- it's quite interesting. I was speaking to. Uh, 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 journalist who covers United, Manchester United um, recently, who says that Garner is actually, or, or they, they kind of thought of Garner as a bit more of a, 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 a forward-looking midfielder, someone who can, would break into the box late, um, which he hasn't done a huge amount for Forrest, I don't think. Was, there was obviously the goal against Derby, but, but that wasn't quite in, in in that same sort of same mould, but it's interesting that he seems to have played a little bit deeper for for Forrest and has been in that kind of controlling the the centre of the park uh, role rather than a sort of breaking past the the forwards and into the box. Paul Nick mentions Ryan Yates there. He's missed the last two with a, with a recurrence of this calf problem. Any word on on him on Graben, Sal, Scott McKenna, and, and Harry Arter too? I noticed he's back in training. Any of them likely to be available for Saturday? After the game against Luton, Chris Hewton said that Lewis Graben probably wouldn't be available for the game this weekend, which is a blow because uh, you know somebody with his calibre of finishing is 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 always going to be an asset when you are creating so many chances. And I know he's played a fair number of games, but I think it's only about 14 or 15 starts this season. He's missed large portions of the campaign through injury and and those have been intermittent as well. Sort of, There's been injuries between those little spells where he has been in the side. So we'll, we'll forgive him a little bit for not finding his full match sharpness. And I think if they had a, a Lewis Graben firing in all cylinders and he was such a key figure last year when he got 20 goals without in a side that didn't create, it felt like, it didn't, it, it didn't create as many 
chances as, as this one does. So if you could have a fit and sharp Lewis Graben back and, and, and sort of dining out on the number of chances Forrest are currently creating, you'd think they'd be far better off straight away. Uh, sadly, that won't be this weekend. Uh, I think Ryan Yates has got a small chance of being involved, but I'd be somewhat sceptical about whether he, he, he does play or not. Uh, McKenna's only been back in training for a little while and was out for some time, so I wouldn't expect him to play. Uh, Harry Art is a curious one because he still hasn't got a, a squad number and there's only one left at the minute. So I wonder if Forrest would rush into giving him one when, you know, there's still what what if one of the goalies got injured? Uh, they'd, they'd then have to, you know, find a space for Diallo. Uh, and if they give that space to Arta, then they've, they've immediately given themselves a potential problem at goalkeeper. So uh, I don't think they'd necessarily rush into bringing Arta back unless they had some sort of midfield injury crisis because they've got a lot of options at the minute when you look at Colback and Yates and Cafu and, uh, you know, even Kravinovic could play a bit deeper if he needed to. The, the Garner, they've, they've Sows back as well. You know, they've got a lot of options in midfield that they don't really need to rush, rush filling that last squad space for just for the sake of it. Yeah, it's almost like they signed too many players in the summer. Um, speaking of which, here's a question via Twitter from my friend Adam, who says, Knockart is reminding me of the scene with the Yakuza boss in The Simpsons at the moment. But Marge, that little guy hasn't done anything yet. Look at him. He's going to do something. You know it's going to be good. Uh, Nick, what, what does Knockart need to do to, to convert these nearly moments into um, beating up some Italian mobsters in a cartoon? <laughs> Slash scoring goals. That's a remarkable well, I mean, comparison. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a huge fan of that. Um, yeah, he, he's. I don't think he needs to do a huge amount differently. I think he's. This is always a slightly sticky subject, or or or, or slightly um, iffy thing to to say about anyone. But he has been quite unlucky. He's a couple of those. A couple of the shots he's he's had that have you know hit the bar or just gone over or just gone wide. Few inches either way. He'd you know he'd have uh, four or five goals for Forest already. Um, he's initially he was uh, I I would agree he was he looked sort of a little bit ineffective he he had the the look of one of those players that you know seems threatening but actually isn't a lot of the time but now he seems to have um, kind of settled into the role a little bit more he seems to be playing every week and then it's it's whoever is on the kind of other wing that is rotated a bit more. I don't think he, he particularly needs to do anything different. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe Paul would have a, a better idea of this having w- watched him much more closely than I have, but he, he seems to be kind of playing well and kind of getting there. And he, at some point, and I know we're we're saying this about the team in general, really, but at some point the 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 the, the goals will come. Do you think, Paul? We do, I I was going to go with unlucky as well, which yeah. makes me feel better that that's what Nick said. <laughs> he, he does seem to have he, he does seem to have improved significantly since his his loan was renewed. He, he's been a renewed figure since then as well. It's uh, he's looked very bright and he seems to play with a bit more urgency and confidence and. Against Luton for twenty minutes, he he was outstanding, and and against Derby, frankly, at times he was taking the piss. It, it was <laughs> it, just with his little tricks and his little touches, and he, he's capable of the sublime and the ridiculous. And I agree with Nick; he, he doesn't quite get the reward for some of the quality he produces. He, he puts some great balls into the box. He, he should have had a couple more assists, but not not through his own fault, just because. You know, again, those chances have gone begging a little bit. I, I think he's since he's renewed his loan, he's been brilliant. I, I'd go that far. I'd, I'd, I'd drop out brilliant because he has been, and I think he's only 
fine margins away from that that brilliance being rewarded and 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 hopefully him playing a key role in Forest continuing their climb up the table. It'll be interesting to see what they do with him in the summer because you know you imagine it would take a fair chunk of cash to to you know get get him to the city ground on a more permanent basis and it, I guess it all might revolve around what division Fulham are in as well. So that that's going to be an interesting one to watch in the summer. I, I'd still be cautious about paying a massive amount of money for him and putting him on huge wages. But if if they could find a way to keep him on a, a, a reasonable basis, then I, I'd be a big fan of that idea. Yeah, I think most Forest fans would. Um, in terms of the head-to-head record against Watford, Forest no wins in the last four meetings. Last victory at the Vicarage in September 2011. Anyone like to tell us who got the only goal that day? Give you a clue. Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, I think it is. Is it Ismail Miller? It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I you get that from the clue? No, well, it helped, but I, I remember because I think that game was on TV, and it was kind of early McLaren era, wasn't it? And obviously, this was one of Miller's early games, and I can remember of of all my very, very, very many incorrect predictions about Forest, him scoring in that game made me think, yeah, he's going to be he's going to be great for us. He's going <laughs> to score loads of goals. Um, he. he- he was a decent player. He was just made of biscuits. They they yeah. signed him when he hadn't played. <laughs> I, I think I'm right in saying he hadn't played ninety minutes of football at any level in three previous years because of injury, <laughs> uh, like including reserve level. He, he he hadn't completed ninety minutes of football in years when Forrest signed him, and duly he arrived and and proved uh, that 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 wasn't a fluke. Going to be really awkward if he's this week's. Did they really play for Forest in about <laughs> fifteen minutes' time? Isn't it? Uh, Watford against Forest kicks off at twelve thirty on Saturday lunchtime. It's live on Sky Sports. If you're in the UK, hey, remember Kelvin Wilson? Of course you do. Get ready to learn more about the former Reds defender next. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven US based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. subscribers have had a couple of days now to devour Paul's big interview with former Forest defender Kelvin Wilson. Before we discuss the article, here's a clip of Paul in conversation with Kelvin over a slightly crackly telephone line. (laughs) Kelvin told Paul that the club thought they were doing a favour to players from Nottingham, himself, Julian Bennett, David McGoldrick, Wes Morgan, uh, by letting them play for the club and therefore offered less money in contract negotiations. Here he tells the story of what happened when he turned Forest off down and agreed to join Celtic at the end of the 2010-11 season. I want to stay at Forest, let's get that clear. I, you know, Billy wanted me to stay, I wanted to stay. I knew what players were on yeah. financially in that in that changing room. You know, I'd been there for four years now. But Mark Arthur and it was Nigel Darkity, it was their, their era, so they had a way of doing things. How they did it, if you was from Nottingham, no matter who you was, apart from Andy Cole and Eco, <laughs> but if you was from Nottingham, you was basically, we're doing you a favour letting you play for Forest, so you've got to take this money. That's basically what it was. Right. You know, me, Wes, Julian Bennett, um, Dizzy, that's, that's how they all seen us. You're from Nottingham, you, you know you know how proud it is to play for Fox. So my contract come to an end and I knew what players were on and what they were earning 
and I had to figure out what I wanted. Yeah. So my, me and my agent went to Forest for that, and they said, no, we'll offer him this, which was nowhere near what I said, but let's not, you know, what I did off, what I did one, it wasn't ridiculous. It wasn't yeah. to be the eyes paid or nowhere near it. Trust me, it was just to be on the even playing field with some. They didn't want to do it. They said, no, um, we're only offering this. So we said, okay. Um, and a few interested clubs who were saying, we'll have a look at the end of the season, you know, Premier League clubs. But then Neil, Neil Lennon come in, offered me to go to Glasgow on an international week. Mm. I said, yeah, um, went another look round. Um, then they offered me a contract, like there and then, really. Yeah. Which was, it blew away the money that, that I even thought I wanted at Forest. You yeah. know, they offered me more, so I was like, bloody, I must be a good player if they offered me this. Reaction to that, Nick? Seems an odd and slightly disrespectful policy to have set out. Yeah, I mean, presumably it wasn't um, you know, official club policy, but the you know we'll trust um, Kelvin Wilson's uh, recollections of that. Just incidentally, I was disproportionately delighted about how obviously Nottingham uh, Kelvin Wilson. Same, sounds. yeah. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know why, because you know he, he, he's from Nottingham, um, you know, famously from Nottingham, played for both teams in in Nottingham. So I don't really know why I doubted that he that would <laughs> he, you know that would be his accent. But yeah, anyway, um, yeah, it's it sort of I don't know, it, disrespectful, maybe kind of unintentionally. It just seems like these sort of slightly odd way that Forrest kind of did things around that time just on, on I know this was this was a few years before that but um Forrest fan and actually former Forrest employee Simon Bristow I think I think we probably all know um posted a, a leaflet on um on Instagram the other day the leaflet said we're serious about promotion are you and uh, I, I it was one of those things that's kind of gone down in myth that you you, you always I, I was always slightly surprised when I actually see the artifact itself but it's it was it's that sort of thing that kind of fits with the uh, oh you know you're from Nottingham so you'll you'll sign for less money than everyone else it's just the the kind of haphazard and just slightly and it, it was one of the things that god bless him that sort of um encapsulated the, the the Nigel Doughty era really a good man with good intentions who got a lot of things just slightly wrong this seems to be uh, seems to kind of fit with that yeah definitely what was interesting following on from that Paul was Kelvin going on to talk about not wanting to to risk injury after he'd agreed to join Celtic it's the kind of thing that that, that really riles supporters but but I think is totally understandable and if, if we flash forward to to the present day or not that long ago anyway we saw Lyle Taylor do exactly the same mm. thing last season with Charlton so that he didn't jeopardize his move to Forest. I can see both sides I, I you can absolutely understand Kelvin's point of view of saying look if I've got a minor niggle I'm not going to risk it I'm not going to I'm not going to train I'm not going to play and you can also understand the club saying well if they've got any doubts about whether he's going to be putting his body on the line should we say without being too cliched then why should they risk him being involved I get it from both sides the club thought they were doing the best thing in the interests of you know the football team and uh, I, I would like to say that you know I, I agree with Nick on the assessment of Nigel Dowerty. he was a, a thoroughly decent thoroughly friendly and nice guy who only ever had the best intentions of Nottingham Forest at heart he did everything he could to make Nottingham Forest a success and just from talking to him you know, back in that era, you, you could see how much it meant to him to try and make Forrester a success. It was it was everything to him. And when they won promotion from League One, just seeing the joy on his face and what it meant to him was 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 one of the best things about that day, to be honest. But 
yeah, he, he, he did sometimes get a few decisions wrong. That wasn't because he didn't want to, you know, make things a success, but he, he just didn't always have the best judgment in some things. And, it, and if, if Kelvin's feeling is true about this, and he does kind of intimate that others felt the same way, then, you know, it, it was one of those areas where it felt like they did get it a bit wrong. Had they just given him something closer to what he wanted, and he said it wasn't, you know, anything that would have made him close to being the highest earner at the club, then he would have stayed and none of this would have happened. It just felt like a bit of a, a wasted opportunity because of a, a curious standpoint about believing that Nottingham lads would be so desperate to play for Nottingham Forest that they'd be willing to take less money to do so. I think it wasn't just Kelvin that they found out this was wrong with. It was, you know, Chris Commons as well and and, and one or two others who, who moved on perhaps because of the financial side of things. Nick, is it fair to say that Forrest didn't get the best out of that that crop of Nottingham boys? I guess you'd say maybe with the exception of Julian Bennett, but we've spoken about Chris Commons and, and Wilson too. But, you know, Wes Morgan left Forrest for peanuts and lifted the Premier League trophy a few years later. I, I, I still think him scoring that goal against Notts County will be the high point of his career. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, no. definitely. I, I always found Kelvin Wilson slightly a slightly frustrating player. Um, not least, there was a game against Sheffield United. I think it would have been in his first spell where he got sent off stupidly in I think the first half, and I, I can't really ever remember being uh, being um, more annoyed at a, a player than I, I was in that. I think he, I can't remember who it was that he went sort of head to head with. But it was just one of those really pointless sendings off, where he didn't, you know, you, you, the old cliche of you, you'd rather him just kind of leather the bloke rather than just sticking his head in his face and pushing it away just so stupidly. Um, and that sort of seemed to he was, you know, he's obviously a, a, a very good defender, um, probably more so in his first spell than his second spell, as he showed by, you know, by being very good for Celtic for a few years. Which is, you know, there's some there's some really good stories about about that era in in Paul's piece as well. Um, but for Forrest, I always found him just very very slightly frustrating. Like he could have been um, much better than he actually was, or or, or actually played for a lot of the time um, when he was at Forest. Yeah, so he goes to to Celtic, has some some memorable Champions League nights, comes back with some title winners medals and, and Lionel Messi shirt. He returns to Forest in 2013. Injuries, though, quickly meant that he, he wasn't the same player. Retired in October 2016 after a brief spell at Rotherham. Uh, Paul, he's still in the game now, isn't he? He's not totally ruled out a, a return to action at some level. Yeah, he's 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 a defensive coach at Ilkeston locally and... Uh, uh, from you know, just talking to him about it, it sounds like he's really enjoying it. And it, 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 he, he said that he never thought he'd really go into coaching, but he's he's kind of having a slight change of heart, I think. And it'd be interesting to see uh, if he does end up doing it at a, a higher level at any point. I think he's. I was going to say something that was extraordinarily patronising, but he's he, he, he's a rather more intelligent and deep thinking player than I remembered him being when he was at Forest. I remember perhaps it's because when we were both very, very young, and I was young once, I was there when he made his debut. I was covering Notts County for the local paper then. And uh, I was there when he made his debut at Hartlepool when he was 17. I remember it as clear as Dave and talking to him afterwards about it. And uh, perhaps it's because we kind of grew up together in that sense that, that I didn't see him as this kind of deep-thinking individual that he perhaps more more is than I thought. But I think that perhaps he's a coach in there and, and somebody who does have something to offer to the game. Uh just purely because of the experiences he's had, you know, going to the new camp and I know it's only one game, but but marking Messi as he did in that game and, and doing so well in Europe generally for Celtic, uh, they they were gutted when he left and 
I think they were they were certainly sad to see him go, which is a sign of how well he did. But uh, then they replaced him with Virgil Van Dyke, so you know they, they, <laughs> they, they probably did all right out of it in the end. Uh, there's loads more detail in the piece that we haven't covered here. If you're not currently a subscriber, head to theathletic.com/forestpod to sign up now for just three pounds ninety nine a month for the first six months. Right, the retro vibes continue next as we celebrate the anniversary of one of the greatest moments in the post Miracle Men era. Here's Parker. It's Crosby coming round the back, and Dibble got it at the second attempt. Oh, and Crosby's pinched the... Oh, has he given the goal? He has! My word! Gary Crosby! And Dibble is livid! And Manchester City have surrounded the referee, Roger Gifford. This is what happened. Well, the ball was only resting on one hand. Was it in his grasp? The referee said no. Well, we're recording the show this week, the day after the 31st anniversary of that time Gary Crosby headed the ball out of Andy Dibble's hand in front of an equally bemused and thrilled Bridgeford End to give Forrest a 1-0 win against Manchester City in the 89-90 season. Nick, you were there. You must have been incredibly young at this time. <laughs> yeah, uh, I would have been six years old, I think, six or seven years old. But I do remember it. I mean, it's, it's, it's stupid, the stuff that you kind of... You, you, it's the, the, again, the old... Um, the old cliche of someone growing old is that I can remember clear as day this uh, controversial goal that happened 31 years ago but you know can't remember what I was supposed to be doing five minutes ago Um, (laughs) but yeah it was a um, as I remember it was the 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 if if you watch the kind of footage back there's um not the the mood in the in the ground seems to sort of mirror Martin Tyler's reaction where he just kind of goes oh and uh, Gary Crosby's oh no oh no hang on it's a goal he's he's given the goal is that's actually going to be a goal everyone <laughs> just kind of because because it, less that everyone was sort of sat there thumbing through their law the, you know the football law books and you know pouring over law 12 which is the actual law, law that w- would um uh that would govern this kind of thing it was more that it was just such an unusual thing that no one you, you can very rarely seen before that people just weren't sure how to react and um you know then when it, it's it, it's always enjoyable when the, the the opposition so kind of uh, vehemently and angrily kind of um uh, protest against a goal like that but yeah I, I just remember brief confusion followed by a lot of laughter in in the ground at the time uh, Paul if you w- watch the clip again there's so much to love about it Forrest <laughs> in one of their all-time great kits City countering with that lovely sky blue brother number Gary Megson <laughs> being wronged Peter Reed playing peacemaker it's, it's just delightful it is it is one of those clips that regardless of your loyalties or well unless you unless you're uh, on the opposition side uh, it's brilliant it's joyous it's great it's outstanding it's uh, an act of outrageous cheek that uh, what disappoints me is how it would you know you get the sense that perhaps not exactly the same circumstances but the, the, it feels like the joy's been taken out of the game 
on this front in the modern era. You know, they'd have VAR looking at it, or they'd have you know eighteen different camera angles deciding whether it's going to be a goal or not, and it 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 just wouldn't be the same kind of moment now, which is sad. I think I think that's the saddest thing that I find when I look at clips like that. I always think, would it happen now? And probably think, no, it probably wouldn't. Uh, but yeah, it, it was a joyous moment and 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 one that has to go down as one of the best moments in. Uh, in in Forest's more recent history. There's got to be an athletic piece in there somewhere, hasn't there? <laughs> um, I really enjoyed the Guardian match report that you shared with us, Nick. Some choice lines in there. Dibble, no doubt, mistook the day for Palm Saturday being my favourite. Yeah, I the, the guy I know the guy who wrote that is a dear old man called Jeremy Alexander who I think is still working for the Guardian or is it certainly only just stopped working for the Guardian having kind of been writing reports for them since the 60s. Personally, my favourite line from it was, it was saucy, but was it fair? Um, <laughs> which is is not only lovely stuff, but also classic Jeremy, if you know him. He's a, he's a kind of low-key legend in uh, among sort of certainly people who uh, have worked at the Guardian in the last 40-odd years. Um, but yeah, he's a, he's a wonderful man, and that was a wonderful report. Uh, I had a tweet from from Chris Gorham, who's the the Norwich City commentator for BBC Radio Norfolk, and he sent me a picture uh, from a game in December at Carrow Road or before it. Andy Dibble, currently on the coaching staff at Cardiff, and in this picture, he's warming up the goalies with a ball in the palm of one of his hands. He hasn't learned a thing. <laughs> uh, well, you see, that, that, I, I think it was it was I think it was a season after this that the the laws were, or certainly very shortly after this, that the, the laws were changed. So. That is actually now illegal, and you know I think we've seen a couple of times where players have um, tried to whip the ball away from goalkeepers when they've thrown it in the air to kick out of their hands. I think Thierry Henry did that once against mm. uh, Wigan, I think it was, um, and th- th- so they they've been disallowed now. So it's kind of the the the, uh, the law seems to have changed that um, if it's sort of vaguely under the goalkeeper's control or. You know, some kind of he's got controlling vibes over the ball or something that is now illegal. So actually, I think Dibble has has been studying the laws and he now realizes that that, that it's uh, it would be very illegal these days in the warm up. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well done, well done, football's fun police. Yeah, cheers. We'll call we'll call that Dibble's law. Um, <laughs> Goalkeepers are ridiculously protected now, aren't they? But that that's probably an entirely different podcast subject. The, the, you can't go near a goalkeeper at all. Uh, I've seen a few incidences, in fact, in recent games where there, there was one foul given for a, a push on a goalkeeper that was absolutely, very obviously, by his own player. And it's like, what's happening now? You know, the goalkeeper goes down, it, it's a free kick. It's just happening, isn't it? It does matter. Always. And, and Bree Samber is absolutely making the most of that and we love him for it. Um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> finally, Nick, who did it better, Gary Crosby or David Johnson? A weakness in Forest, but maybe a little bit of a frailty. Oh! And David Johnson has nipped in, and Nottingham Forest take the lead in bizarre circumstances. Robert Green was totally unaware that Johnson was standing right behind him. And Forest are in front in a strange, strange way. Well, bizarre is not the word I'd use. I'm sure it's not what the manager, Nigel Worthington, would use. You cannot put a game Yeah, it's, um, it's slightly less fun. Um, there, There is a kind of... There's... 
firstly, Rob Green seems like a really nice bloke, uh, whereas Andy Double, I, I'm not sure I would uh, particularly uh, enjoy his company quite as much. So, <laughs> ouch. Yeah. So, so, so it's always more fun to to uh, to see you know someone like that be uh, wronged or, or, or not not wronged at the time or believe he's been wronged. It's just a kind of uh, rather than um, you know a, a particularly uh, unique or amusing incident. It was just a, a, a moment of doziness that uh, for for david johnson's which incidentally if people haven't seen this one i mean i'm i'm aware that so this would have been about 2004 2005 i'm aware that there are may possibly be young people listening to this that may not remember <laughs> this. but uh game game uh, forest against norwich uh, rob green uh, had the ball in his hands i think he caught a, a, a corner or a cross or something like that rolls it out in front of him and he didn't notice that david johnson was behind him so he kind of nipped in and uh took the ball off his toes and uh put it into the empty goal i think dion dublin did something similar uh in the premier league a few a few years earlier on and it's it, it was just it's just one of those things that make goalkeepers look very very silly but they aren't they aren't sort of wronged in any particular way yeah i was in the trent end that day and it was at that end when the goal was scored and, and robert green did extremely well not to crumple to the ground in floods of tears given the <laughs> abuse that he got for the rest of that match uh, right, we're on the home stretch now. Still plenty of time to get quizzical, though. Yes, it's the feature where Nick takes a former Forest Forgotten Man and makes me and Paul feel bad about our long-term memories or lack thereof. <laughs> Over to you, Nick. Yep, OK, so uh, this is another edition of Did They Really Play For Forest? You probably know the drill now. Five pieces of information about a famous player who had a short-slash-forgettable spell at the city ground. So, clue number one. In my first league appearance in England, I played alongside former Forest loan hero, Damien Johnson. Ooh, okay. Damien Johnson. Was this this kind of around that 03-04 period that, that we were just talking about, Paul? Would that be right? Mm. Former Birmingham player, wasn't he? Irish Damien Johnson. I'm just filling here so that we can <laughs> carry on thinking yeah. of guesses. Uh, have you got one? We're not having another first round glory moment here I'm afraid okay uh, Keith Foy <laughs> no no that's a that's a, a very good shout could, could have been a really good player Keith Foy anyway mm. uh, question uh, clue number two I have won league titles in two different countries and major trophies in two other countries yeah it wasn't Keith Foy uh, Ooh. Ooh. two mm. different countries Oh. Hmm. Yeah. Which countries could they be, though? I wonder. I'm, I'm, maybe it's because of the Calvin Wilson thing, but I'm sort of thinking Scottish players or players who came from Scottish teams to play for Forest. Hmm. Uh, no, nothing from me, Paul. Oh, I've got an idea, but I can't think of his bloody name. <laughs> yeah, that's that, Which that, that's really crucial in this game. <laughs> do, do, do you want to describe his face, Paul? We'll maybe give you half a point for that. Did he have oh. Ryan Bertrand's eyes? <laughs> no, he did. Oh, no. Uh, Luke Steele. No. No, no, no. Blue Steel, um, yeah. Um, okay, next clue. <laughs> okay, clue number three. I have scored a Champions League goal against Barcelona in the new camp. Although my oh. team that night lost four. Oh, okay. Uh, Paul, have you got a guess? You you sound like you know. 
Is it Nicholas Bentner? It is Nicholas Bentner. Yeah, it's a slightly, slightly tricky one to... I decided I wanted to, to, to uh, pick him. It's a slightly tricky one to do because there are only really obscure clues and then clues that will kind of give it away. And the, the third one obviously kind of tipped over the balance. Um, do you want to have a guess what the next two clues are going to be? Because there are two kind of quite prominent pieces of information about um, the, the great man. Got fined more than UEFA fine clubs for racist behaviour for having some pants with Paddy Power on them. <laughs> yeah, that's one of he's, them. That was going to be known, clue number five. He's known as Lord. Oh no, that's that that that's not that wasn't one of my clues, but it also corrects piece of information. Clue number four was going to be a sports psychologist once gave me a self-perceived competence test to see how good <laughs> yeah. I thought I was. The test was marked out of nine. I scored ten. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if he could have just married a bit of confidence with actual football ability, he would have been an incredible player. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of a, um, you know, sort of budget version of Zlatan Ibrahimovic, really. He's, he's probably somewhere chipping off about um, LeBron James or something. Um, Did he score for Forrest? I, I think he well, we got scored... two goals, according yeah. to Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think they were possibly both in the League Cup. Um, I don't know whether I've, whether I've got that. Remember I remember one of them being wrong. a fairly close-range scramble, if I'm right. He said, didn't he? Made his debut in the League Cup against Arsenal. Uh, after which, Arsene Wenger stated, if he keeps fit, he still has a chance to come back to the top level. I think a hungry <laughs> Nicholas Bentner can score goals against anybody, and that's what you want from him. The next line on this Wikipedia entry, on 11th of December, Bentner scored an own goal against Forest Rivals Derby County. He, he almost oh, scored yes, two in that did. game, didn't he? Yeah. Didn't he hit the bar with another effort? Uh... <laughs> He's one of those, one of those players where you kind of, you you often hear about players who have. I'm sure this is incredibly common in football who have incredibly overinflated ideas of their own skill. But Benton was one of those. A lot of those players will have like one something, one like really good identifiable quality about them, like they're you know they're lightning quick or they've got a hammer shot or they're very skillful. But Benton was always one of those players who didn't really have any of that he was just a sort of he was just sort of there and scored <laughs> goals occasionally and you know very often looked quite good without be without actually doing anything that eye catching so it's i mean you know fair play for you know for, to anyone who has confidence in themselves and, and toots their own horn loudly but my god my god was that uh, unjustified nicholas bentner uh, we spent a lot of time talking about him which i didn't think we would but there you go he's a fascinating character uh, that'll just about do it for this week before we go paul what have you got in the pipeline for athletic subscribers uh we uh, i've got a column coming up this weekend which is going to be on the subject of uh how it's a chance for chris Hewton to stamp his influence again this summer with uh you know when you look at the situation with so many players on loan and so many out of contract you know it's going to be another summer of transition you uh, you suspect this summer, although he does have some interesting points of view on that himself. Uh, beyond that, I'm going to do a look at, at, at David McGoldrick. Uh, it, it may prove to be an ode to David McGoldrick in a sense, but he, he always struck me as being a curious uh, a curious player at Forest in the sense that he, he very obviously was very, very good, but never quite did it at Forest. But since then, he's he's gone on to be to show what he's capable of at his other clubs. So I'm quite keen to, to to see why that was and what the people who played with him thought about him when he was at Forest. 
Yeah, absolutely beloved by his Sheffield United teammates for for what he brings to them. And another player with a terrific Nottingham accent. Um, yes. Just pipped by Julian Bennett for me. If, I, if I'm ever in a high state of anxiety, in my head I play Julian Bennett telling me to calm down. And it, <laughs> it really works. Um, Nick, you'll have, been, you'll have been preparing your 10,000 word character assassination of Andy Dibble, presumably. Yeah, yeah, that's, that, that's going out tomorrow. Um, no, I, it feels like I've I've trailed this about four times now. But the the, the interview I did with James Coppinger is I believe finally due to be published this weekend to coincide with his six hundredth league appearance for uh, Doncaster, which should be on on Saturday. Um, there is a little kind of obviously you know when someone's played for a club for seventeen years with a brief six month hiatus at another club, you generally focus on the the sixteen and a half years rather than that six months. But there is a little uh, a bit about his um, spell at Forest in there. Um, it, you know, the, 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 I think the question with Coppinger was all, from the outside anyway. Was always you know he could have played for someone better than Doncaster for a longer period of time. Um, and it, I think, uh, although he was slightly too diplomatic to say this, I think his his experience, brief experience at Forest, which as you remember was in the kind of nascent shambles era of the of. Um, the uh, Al Hasawi ownership possibly just sort of not quite maybe scarred him is the wrong word but he he having spent so long at Doncaster before that he came to Forest saw what it was like and thought well if this is what other football clubs are like I'm going to stay where I'm you know where I'm happy and settled and feel wanted and there's a good atmosphere around the place and um, you know he's obviously a, a, an absolute legend at, at um, at Doncaster. So yeah, that that should I think that's going out on on Saturday. Good stuff. Looking forward to reading it. Remember, listener, if you're not currently a subscriber, you can sign up now for just £3.99 a month for the first six months by heading to theathletic.com slash forestpod. That's theathletic.com slash forestpod. We'll be back same time next week when we'll look ahead through our fingers to the upcoming games against Reading and Norwich and plenty more besides. Until then, from all of us here, it's bye for now. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.